Yavel bang. All right. All rise for the honorable. How do we? St- I can't remember. Like, I have like a fucking. A mayfly's memory for hear the introduction. Ye, hear ye, hear ye. There, you do it. Is I'm there such sure. a thing as a mayfly? Oh, yeah, there is. They're big, right? Don't they only <laughs> yeah, live for like an hour? Huge. I thought that I said it because I thought they're the ones that live a day. Yeah, I think they so. They have the poetic life of one day where they meet, fall in love, have children. This is a really good intro. It is. You done good, son. You done good. Please rise. rise. <laughs> All right. Hear ye, hear ye. Please rise for the honorable. Do we do? Ah, I'm in my own head now. I think don't get don't don't get in my head. Get in get in viral. Get out of that's that that hit eighty song. Get out of your head. Jump into night court. Get out of your head. Get out of your head. All right. All rise. On the on the prosecution side, we have Hans F. F. Friedwald. H. 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 For the defense, I know, but the oh yeah, because of the H. Um, for the defense, we have Casey Van Heel. I gotta True. tell you guys, this is this is, this is every time I don't think it can get rougher. Those C's get choppy. All right. <laughs> Hans, how was your night? It was court. Did you have a good it one? It was court. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was. So a, we are um, all risen. I am Casey Van Heel. With me, as always, is Honorable Hans K. Frywald and my lovely wife and defense attorney, Ash Gehring. Van. Van Gehring. <laughs> you dropped Van? Drop the Van, man. Drop the Van. <laughs> I'm dropping it like this episode. We're on episode six. If you keep this up, Casey, I'm going to give you a death threat. Ooh, through my window. Episode Hans, six. that's when you come in. Uh, this one's for you, Judge. <laughs> this one's for you, Judge. Is the episode called Death Threat? Yes. Yeah, I have the... Dis- I have. T- Remember how I've been promising how I was going to look for another description? F- yeah. Like for our episodes? I got one. But it's not any better. So I got two descriptions. They're both equally short. The only reason I picked the second one is because it, it was posted by a guy named Crotch. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from Brooklyn Crotch. Um, Brooklyn Crotch. A rock is thrown. This is episode six, Death Threat. Uh, it was directed by Jay Sandrich, who um, also directed uh, episode three, the former Harry Stone. Jay Sandrich, we all know, is well known. We don't all know this, but he is known for his work on the Mary Tyler Moore show, the old Nasty Cosby show, mm-hmm. and soap. I hear always Ooh. hear things about soap, but I never saw it. Um, it's something that you use to wash yourself, Hans. Wash my mouth out with. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to listen to the Jerk Practice podcast this week to get that one. <laughs> Let's just assume they have, because why wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. Have. Yeah, yeah. So now you get it. Uh, the hubris on him. That's written by Bob Stevens. Bob Stevens is of Yes Dear fame. Now, Yes mm. Dear is the doggiest of bloodiest shits. <laughs> I mean, it is like, 
It's literally we joke about uh, like Scriptbot. I, I that was um um. It's Scriptbot. Scriptbot was a uh, South Park thing, right? But this yeah. is sitcom bot. Like holy shit, dumpy husband, annoying neighbor, hot wife. Like, but like. To the extreme, it's so cookie cutter that it doesn't exist. I don't know how to describe it. It's like when an atom eats itself. It's like a black hole eating itself. <laughs> yes, dear. It really is. Because it does it it existed. It had people you see, but now they don't exist. Now like how do you go from having a sitcom that was on for like a decade? Now this guy like does like local commer like it's commercials. Like it's so weird, this show. The yes, two, dear. The two male stars were just like the one guy hosted Remote Control on MTV. That's right. Yes. And the other guy had bit parts in... He was in that show Boston Common. He was the dopey southern janitor. He's very like effeminate, goofy kind of, right? Yeah. Or just wimpy. Wasn't he in Soul Man too? Not Soul Man 2, but Soul so Man as well with Dan Aykroyd. Soul Man 2. <laughs> he may have been, yeah. I think he might have been like the the assistant pastor in Soul Man. I'll do some research on this actor. Anyways, he's known for that, but um, this dog shit, yes, dear, it's no night court. He did some Malcolm in the Middle. He did some Murphy Browns. Dear John, mm-hmm. coming back to Reinhold Wiege. No, is that Reinhold Wiege? Dear John was a show with um, Judge, uh, not, the, what was his name? The, the guy from Taxi, the... Judd Judd Hirsch. Thank you. Yeah, Judd Hirsch, who I always get mixed up with Judd Nelson. What I like (laughs) uh, Bob Stevens for, among many things, I mean, the guy's like obviously done all this shit. He he wrote like a fuckload of Wonder Years episodes, which is a tasty treat. I don't know how that associates into this episode, but there is a kid. There is a child. Yes. In his Wonder Years. So are we saying that this guy might only like being around the kiddies? Uh, it's possible. It is Night Court. Um, oh, there was yeah. We'll get into the the Night Courty aspect of this. It made me made me ill. So this description by Brooklyn Crotch is: A rock is thrown through the courtroom window with a death threat in Harry's name. Spoilers. The traditional description is: Things are thrown into an uproar when Harry receives a threat via a rock thrown a window, and a bomb is discovered in the courtroom. Ooh, big steamy spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. Damn. Sorry about that, listeners. Maybe I'll bleep it. So that's where we're at. Episode six. Episode six, death threat. Again, they don't bury the lead. There's a death threat. Uh, Opens on a classic scene from... Timeless New York, the old shoe shine stand. Classic. You ever had your shoe shined? Never had a shoe that was worth more than the shine. You ever have a pair of shoe f- shoes fixed? No. I've had a pair of shoes resold, and I have shined shoes, but I have never had my shoes shined. Get your shine box, Ash. Get your shine box, Ash. It was a service we offered at the hotel, and one of the bellmen was new and didn't know how to do it, so I showed him. And then were you we singing doo wop? And song? then we realized that I was <laughs> really good at it, and so I did like a couple more that night because you were on a roll. I was like, just okay, heat it up, hey, doop doop, my bellhop's doop, doop, new, what? new. She's snapping that round, towel like round. Where's your shoes? Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my room key, creeps. <laughs> no, but really quickly, it's interesting. I have a cobbler prescription. What? What does that mean? 
because one of my legs is shorter than the other. So my doctor oh. made out the exact measurements for cobblers. So if I want, I can bring my shoes into a cobbler and give them the exact dimension to add a lift into one of the shoes. One you, of my shoes. You win for nerdiest, nerdiest today. Yeah, you are like classic Revenge of the Nerds nerd. Like that's a nerd. Like I need, I have a prescription for your allergies. No, for my foot. That would be Point Dexter being like, I don't want a room with uh, boy. <laughs> it's the old cobbler girl prescription. with the cobbler prescription. Yeah, my mom gets really mad too because you know I, I obviously don't go to a cobbler to get my shoes done, and then I'll we'll be walking around and I'll complain that my leg hurts, and she goes, "Did you? Do you? Did you go to your cobbler?" And I was like, "I don't have a cobbler." Do those exist outside yeah, of the Adam Sandler? Should movie? Should we be calling them cobblers? Me? Let's be honest. They are. Yeah, but of course this, they are. I think Might now you spicy. just go to like an orth- not not an orthopedist, a pediatrist. No, absolutely not. You're in Midtown Manhattan. There are like there's a cobbler on like every city block. I've had shoes cobbled, but I, they've never asked me for my script. <laughs> you don't have to have a script. I boosted I that just pad, the doctor's do. pad for hot cobbler prescriptions. <laughs> Give me those souls, man. <laughs> You need, need some upsies or some downsies? We got some back pills. We got some cobbler prescriptions. Put that in a writer throwback. Ooh, like not only a throwback, but a throw over the fence throw to over. a different podcast. Sideways. Throw over on the fence. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, a, a scene. I answer your question. No, I've never had owned anything, any shoes or boots that needed a shine. But this was a very common, especially New York, but also a very corporate thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. For well-to-dos to get done. So, so shoe yeah. shine stands. Still acceptable to get your shoes shined? Absolutely. I think it's yeah. a little spicy myself. I think they're unionized now. Oh, the shine Ooh, union? spicy. What, what are you trying to say? No, I'm saying that no. they... Rocky Blarns, shoe shine boy. <laughs> the Johnny Depp movie, Nick of Time, wouldn't exist without a shoe shine. Oh, I never, don't bring up... I never heard of that movie. Nobody has. It's good. I don't. I don't think it is. I'm gonna just automatically say it's not. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this because I haven't right seen it. Blanket statement. Not good. <laughs> is it about Johnny Depp, a shoe shine boy? <laughs> no, he's a dad. Like water for shines. Was it's he in that movie? Well, like water for water chocolate? For he wasn't. He was in shock a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. he was in shock a lot. My dad well, used to uh, shine his shoes. I think it's a very old school thing. Shine his own shoes. Like I would walk into his bedroom and he would be sitting on the end of his bed with a shoe shine kit, and my dad had the same pair of shoes. Well, that's how you keep them for eighteen the years. Like he really did. Yeah, but I think that back then, and it, it seems silly to say, but I'm actually being serious. There was a big class factor in what your shoes look like because if if guys are just wearing gray suits all over the place, you know now we have like Armani, you have pleated, mm-hmm. pleated, you have three stripe, you know whatever, pleated? a million types of suits. Ugh. But now that you don't like suits were like your shoes That's and true. how you cared for them was a a very large focal point for a man, a businessman. I guess the shoe and the necktie is the way is the that thing. like how Those, you stand out exactly. That's how. You know, you show you mean business. I guess that and you're you, well to do. And if you think about a really shiny pair of shoes, it's kind of like that royalty sort of like like that old like oh the the rich women in the medieval yes. times like 
took on weight. Like being overweight was a sign of your like wealth. Whereas, Fertility, like, right? Not having shiny scuffed shoes, yes, means that you have such a cushy job you don't have to like ding your shoes up. Exactly, you're eating cherry tomatoes and you have frills around your neck. I mean, it had, shoes are were like. There's that line in I love. We are. I love. I hope I you listeners love have a good night court as much as me because I just love how deep it can go. Like shoes, there's that that line in um in Shawshank Redemption where it's like, how often does a man look at a person's shoes? I grew up in a time when shoes meant everything. Like oh, when yeah. I, in grade school, like if you didn't have the right sneakers, which just meant they cost a lot of money, you mm-hmm. were. Like, that was probably the number one thing you got made fun of because it just meant you were poor. That's all it meant. Like, because even the parents were like, fuck. Somehow these scumbag kids created a class structure, a social, oh, yeah. e- socioeconomic structure around shoes. And if I don't get my kid a pair of Jordans, his life is going to be hell in third grade. So, like, if your parents could afford it, they had to shill out their hard work and money. Meanwhile, my dad's shining shoes on the end of his bed, the same pair of <laughs> shoes he's had for 20 years to go sell insurance to buy a pair of Jordans for a kid who can't even play, can't even sink a, a free throw. Oh, no, it's funny. Like when I was played football in middle school, I got relentlessly mocked because I didn't have like Nike cleats. I had oh. like old baseball cleats. Yeah, you had the ponies. Yeah, and they, it was just like, yo, look at you. Or the summer I wore my mom's running shoes because they couldn't afford to buy me a new pair of shoes and I grew too fast. I, I broke my bike. I had to ride my mom's bike for two years. You want to talk about shoes? <laughs> Holy shit. And it was old. That was my grandmother's bike. Like, that shit was... That was a Schwinn with a deep woman cut to it. A deep frame. Oh, that deep? Yeah. The deep dip? And then I just well, like then you just give up and you learn to embrace it. Anyways, yeah, we took a deep dip. We did take a deep dip, but yeah. now we're coming back to the shoe shine stand where our prosecutor Dan Fielding is getting a new shine on his shoes from a little uh, a sh- little Latino boy named Tony. Do, do we know his name by that time, Tony? Does he call him by name, Tony? Think. We do not. We know it by the end of the episode, but we do not right now. It's um, just a minority. <laughs> Just a faceless <laughs> yes. young minority. And, uh, um, but his uh, Tony's not a Latino name. An- Anthony. An- Antonio. That's Italian. Is the kid Italian? Uh, his dad's name is Antonio. Antonio like Rodriguez We're really or not very Anyways. <laughs> um, we really got to stop. No, and the uh-huh. reason I said just a minority, it wasn't to be rude. It's literally because at the beginning... We don't know, obviously, what's going to happen with the rest of the story or how this kid is going to come into it. So I was just like, really? Yeah. You have oh, a boy at the shoe shine and it's got to be a little brown boy. Like, is that was it necessary? And I like wrote down kids. Little brown boy. Yeah. Like kid, kids got to be a minority. But also it's night court. It's like one thirty in the morning. Like what's an eight year old kid doing shining shoes downtown? Okay. I got That's a, a lot point. of plot holes with this yeah. kid. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we'll get into them as as the episode goes on, but, but so we yeah. got this little brown boy, nameless laborer boy, getting his yeah shining Dan Fielding shoes, and then he finishes and yep. two dollars. He says a, a dollar, oh. one for each shoe, 
And Fielding says, that's ridiculous. I've never paid more than 75 cents for a shine. And this little kid, we, we now know that he's probably going to be a, he's sassy. He's going to be a part of this story. That's what my feeling was. And I ended mm-hmm. up being right. Kid looks back and says, well, the whole industry's being de- deregulated. 80s Wall Street 80s, humor. Yep. yep. Reaganomics. Dan uh, so Fielding's, Fielding's a crook. Yeah. Dan Fielding stiffs, stiffs the, the kid. kid on the two bucks because he only has a hundred dollar bill. He didn't. He didn't even say that at the time. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, he did. Yeah. So uh, I only he's got like, I gotta get change. I'll hit you up later. Off he goes, like the crook he is, and he heads into court. Stiffs a kid. Stiffs the little kid. Stiffs the little kid. Cute little brown and boy. And it's a slow day in the night court business. Somebody's bored. I'm kind of bored by the game. <laughs> Judge Harry uh, is Lana and Lana just punt, moving paper, riffing signing it. names, just riffing. Harry's very bored, so bored he says, "Let's do something crazy." Have you ever done something crazy? And this Lana comes out with a doozy. H, what does she say? She says, "Well, I did try on my old Girl Scout uniform recently." Which leads me to wonder, that's that's an odd fit. But yeah. then she got caught trying it on, and I her, her fiancé paid her or something, saw her in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And Bought her cookies, I believe, was some of the innuendo used. Basically, what, that's be, the, what, the what started used. as just you know friendly banter ended up being... A full sex confession. Yeah, essentially, she was just like, what? And I, okay, here's the one thing I don't like. Maybe it's the delivery. Maybe it's the scripting of Lana. But, like, sometimes she's really smart, and sometimes she's just a fucking idiot. And if you didn't know where this story was going to lead... You're a fucking idiot. You're the latter. And I'm yeah. like, I'll, I'll, I'll ease down on the cursing. I'm sorry, but it really upset me. I was just like, what are you doing? She's yeah, so trying she confesses. to seduce. There's, she wants. No, that's back not how of her it was mind, played. She's got a thing for Harry. And yeah. he wants, she wants him she to wanted, get a little hot under hot. that judge's robe. You want to watch me fuck my husband? You want to <laughs> give me my brownie points? <laughs> it's like, what did you say to me? Uh, you said you were bored. You said you're bored. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Um, what's that called? Inter- nah, uh, let's voyeur. You want a voyeur? Well, yeah. Cuckold? No, it's cuckold. Oh yeah, cuck. How about cuck. A, that's what she should have said? How about some cuck? <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> Lana, Lan. All right, that so movie they're, is for they're nasty. So so she stops it because Harry starts getting. Excited. An old Harry Boner Moonface is lapping. Harry it up. ain't stopping the story. No. That's all I'm saying. Harry ain't stopping it. Harry Anderson has a good like he he's just um very animated in his face, he which is. is obviously why he's a good actor. I, I do like I was like, God, he every time Harry, Harry when Harry Anderson needs to look horny, Harry Anderson be looking horny. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Horny. He's got a horn dog face. So he looks at yeah, he's it. Eighties horny eighties man. She realizes and cuts it off, and then she gets really offended, faux offended, if I may, and says, "Next case, your honor," as if somehow he's the inappropriate as if one he was in this peeking situation. Picking up, up her dress exactly. with a mirror on his shoe. You're the one she who was told me asking about- for it, <laughs> just like she was on a Duke campus. No, <laughs> stop it. 
That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. Victim blamer. I'm not a victim blamer. Oh, God, it's going to sound so bad because I almost said, I'm not a victim blamer, but she's not a victim. (laughs) (laughs) Do you play lacrosse? They, Stop that, putting that shoe polish on your face. Why the two players? But that was all bullshit. That was okay. I know, I, use any other campus story, and you would be that right the and most have famous. a point. Don't. That was the wrong one. <laughs> I'm not on trial here. Oh God! You know who is on trial? Me now. God is on trial. God is on trial. It does not take long to get old God on trial. Finally, he walked down from his throne to be held. In contempt of court. So, uh, God. So, yeah, that's our court case of the episode is a, a schlubby old New Yorker. Like, your typical old New York man is brought up before the judge, and he claims that he is the Heavenly Father. Played by Lee. Uh, nope. The, Phil. The, ac- the, the actor is. Um, Phil Leeds. Phil Leeds. Who has been in literally any TV show that you could possibly think of or has come to mind. He's He's the definition of that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they literally every every bio I read was like this guy is essentially what defined where the term character actor came from. He's one of them. Ah, uh. and but you you know what's weird is like I recognize him, and I guess that's why that's the character actor thing. I couldn't exactly place what he was in. Right, Ghost. I guess I I did end up looking stuff up, but he's been in just but, about everything. I looked too, and I was just like, "Wow, okay, that's why." Because I was like, "Oh no, I know that he's in a lot of things, but there's that one thing I remember him from, and I really couldn't figure it out." I mean, it's you know, he said, she said, thirty something, Golden Girls, you know, Mad yeah. About You, Ally McBeal, Matlock, Empty Nest, Clean Slate, Larry Sanders, ER. I, the list goes on. And a casket. What? <laughs> Sorry. Is he dead? <laughs> like what shows and a casket it sounds very That's what british I, thought. I was just like i i had never heard of oh dear either <laughs> <And a> casket. <laughs> Such an asshole. you know that show about corpses that get married <laughs> <laughs> to their dogs and a casket it's like it's like two what's that phrase two bags and a fish and chips or something <laughs> what's that phrase oh yeah the well-known phrase it's like two bags and a fish and chips <laughs> like a bag of fish and chips. Get out of here, casket. Uh, That's the British neighbor from Anda Casket. Hello. And a fish and chips. Get him. Get him in a casket. You guys are awful. Uh, so, yeah, we've God's brought in before court. The This uh, Harry Leeds or whatever his name Phil. is. Phil Leeds. Claims to be God. He's spouting off in very biblical terms and using terminology and descriptors and then we find out that what he got is brought into court for was that he caused a stink in a diner yeah roughed up just roughed trashed a diner ransacked a diner and then basically the manager told him to get out and that yeah. brings us to the funniest joke of the episode in my opinion oh yeah there's a lot of funny ones in this one I thought so too. Are you talking be fruitful yeah. and multiply? Yeah. I seriously laughed for so long on that one. I just thought it was so clever and funny. Like it's not that complicated, but I loved it. Um, so fielding is is kind of. I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay, so fielding. Th- this guy is, is God, and he said, you know, people have called me the Almighty, the Omnipotent, so on and so forth. So that there have been a lot of biblical references thus far, and fielding's explaining what happened. 
And he said, and then he, he, the manager told him to stop or he was going to get arrested. And he told the manager to be fruitful and multiply, but not in those words. Now, be fruitful mm-hmm. and multiply is something that uh, apparently God has said to Adam and Eve. It basically, he said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. In, I thought that was uh, hilarious. In Florida Bible terms. I like it. I, I like it. And that's what I thought it meant. I'm trying to figure out the multiply part. Well, the whole point of the, the, the point of the actual term be fruitful and multiply is literally you need to have sex. So you, you then begat children who can begat children and we can create the human race. That's, that's the point. If you're fruitful, i.e. Randy, yeah. you can multiply, i.e. have babies and then they'll have babies and so on and so forth. Just like a, just like a multiplication. It's like a, a pyramid yeah. scheme for. Take your begat and shove it. And so I, I didn't I didn't mean to take the steam out of the joke. I laughed at it too. It was really I, genius of w- fielding because he didn't act God didn't actually say it. God this this character God that's on trial basically just said, fuck Go fuck you. yourself. Obviously you can't say that. And Fielding takes it and says, you know, kind of goes with what God's been He's you know, using with the language and riffs it on his own. And it's it's so crystal clear, it's so quick, it's so concise, and it's John Larroquette who just delivers anything like it's gold. And I just thought it was so ha- it was so funny. It was my favorite moment. Beats that bull joke later on. Still scratching my head about that fucking. Uh, and then we have uh, then his response. I think they quit back and forth, and then God responds to Fielding. I believe with <laughs> "You're gonna look good as a pillar of salt." That comes a little bit later, but yeah, because Fielding, like, they all take a break. They go up to the judge, and they're like, this guy's a nutball. (laughs) Fielding says he's a few courts low. Oh, yeah. And then he catches them, essentially, and Uh says, like, you're going to look good as a pillar of salt. He also- He's a sinner. I don't know the exact line. I just have the note, God hates John Denver. Because he's- I have it, too. In his godly screed, like, they say they have to hold him until they can find out who he is. He still claims he's God. He then says, like, I I love everyone. Everyone except John Denver. (laughs) And John Denver was on top of the heap right now. And then he and Harry high five. Take me home, country roads. John Denver, little John Denver tangent. You know, you hear his music and it's like, sunshine on my, you know, it's like this, like, very pastoral, earthen, like, pastoral music. I bet he was a fucking maniac to hang out with. Just by the way he went out, he just went out like boozing in his own personal plane, running into the side of a mountain. Like I bet his stories, like the kind you can't, you only read right. about. He had the, he <laughs> he lived a rock star life despite not, and you wouldn't so. think it. Right, exactly. He's like Hunter S. Thompson, probably. He just had a trunk full of whatever drug you could possibly want in that in, in any instance. Yeah, I bet that's like John Denver's the guy where Hunter S. Thompson walked into the party and was like, "Oh God, whoa, it's dude, be a rough night." Are you <laughs> having Denver. sex with Neil Cassidy's wife and all of the Hell's Angels, hey. John Denver? But he was probably just a sick, like, t- dad alcoholic for, who st- stayed in a garage with some old Milwaukee's. <laughs> they had a good tune. It's about sun, <laughs> shoulders. Where's my plane? All right. Uh, so then, after they they dispense with God, they're gonna hold him until they can find out who he is. We get the 
the death threat in the title. Uh, not yet. Oh, no. yeah. Because Stella... Yeah, do we get the death threat? Because I'm. I yeah, because thought... yeah. then the, okay, the Selma it, part comes it. after. My, my part. My bad. So the rock comes through the window. Dan Fielding picks it up. And it says, uh, the first line is, dear scum. And then Dan, like, Dan Fielding, John Larroquette timing just goes, oh, judge, I think it's for you. Not bad. Yeah. It's for you. Um, so they, they look at it. It's a death threat. God returns spouting death and destruction and that everyone should flee just after they've calmed everybody down. Uh, so he's doing the death and destruction. Go, go, go. Like Old Testament style stuff. And then good old Selma saunters in right after him. And you do that and you'll answer to me. Cue credits. Intro. Yeah. This is the part, by the way, when you were talking about the shoe shine, like what's a what's this little boy doing downtown at one thirty? This is the first time I realized when they they talk about like the brick going through the window. I was like, "Fucking night court is on the eighteenth floor." Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't picture it like that. I didn't picture that it was up in this high rise. No. It made it so much more of like a New York. I don't know what it was. It just instantly made it way way more. Yeah, like. That scene for me, like New York being up in like this high rise. Well, you've got to think that that's a super small court. So this is, you know, the the New York City courthouse. There isn't just that one gallery. Like there are multiple ones. And this is the night court one because it's one of the little ones. Like, you know, it does. It's not going to have a lot of people in the gallows. Like it's not going to. Do you think they'll do a. Cheer. Do you think maybe our night court crew has a feud with a possible other night court crew? The way Cheers hated the restaurant upstairs? Oh, is there a court underneath them? Do you think we'll see a possible other rogue judge? I would say... Are they going to go to Florida like married with children? Here's... <laughs> I would say here, my opinion is that this is the only night court that's happening. The Got one you. and only. However, that being said... Every time we see, like, when he's in the hallway getting his shoe shine, there are a ton of lawyers mm-hmm. around that we never see. Yeah. So it's the middle of the night. What the hell are they doing? Yeah. Are we going to get our Bizarro Jerry scene? Oh, like God, our, Bizarro. Where we get our- Bizarro Fielding. B- Bizarro Super Seinfeld. nice. Yeah. Super nice and, like, married for a long time with a lot of kids. Yeah. Holds the door open. There'll be a weird Fielding- There'll be a weird Fielding episode where he, like- Gets put on pain pills because he had to get a tooth pulled or something. And he'll be like, everybody's like, what's up with Dan? Why is he so, so nice? nice. Yeah. And then he'll come out of his fog and everybody will be like, Dan, I'm ready for that dinner you promised <laughs> yeah. me. to be like, would you say whore? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we do the intro and then we come back. Uh, what do you think would happen now real quick just because we're on that death threat and it is the titular line? What happens if somebody throws a death threat brick through a federal court Guantanamo Oh, my God. You get sent to, like, the NYPD black site. They don't take you to the... They don't. You don't get processed. You get thrown in yeah. some weird limbo. I was thinking something more like Iraq gets bombed again. <laughs> <laughs> I think a little bit of column like they A, take a little that bit shit of column serious. B. Like, after... I remember we grew up in South Dakota, 
And there was like, it was on the front page. I guess this is also because it's Midwest. It's different than New York. The front page of the paper was entirely about a van that was parked outside of the courthouse for too long. It was a regular van. Some some asshole like forgot about it, but it was like, van parked too close. <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, so yeah, we, we return from the credits and we're in judges chambers and uh, everybody else is freaking out. Yep. Harry's trying to keep a cool head. Cooler heads will Composed. prevail. He think thinks it's just a prank. Nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, we get Bull. Yeah, I was going to say, the next note I have is Bull's, Bull's gag, which I thought was funny. So Bull is there, and his master plan was he, he was going to run down. He ran down 18 flights of stairs to get there. Oh, yeah, that's where I got the 18 floor. Because we find sorry, yeah. we find out that the the brick was thrown from a catwalk, the building across the street. So Bull's plan is to run down 18 flights of stairs. He'll beat the, the culprit to the ground floor, but he's worried about the, him blending in. So he decides to barrel out the front door, and he thinks that the perpetrator then hiding in the public will turn because he knows it's coming uh, and flee. And Bull's response is, well, I did all that. But they all fled. They all panicked and fled. So Bull just scared a street full of people screaming and raving like a maniac. Oh, I missed it. I missed that. Is that the joke that earlier you said you didn't like? No, it's not. Okay, um, we'll get there then. And then there was a sassy fielding. We're almost there. Quip. Yeah. They're talking well, about. Well, here, here he's can... going like, you know, mm-hmm. to, in order, this is just, basically it's... It, you know, it's idle, idle threats. You know, who would you'd have to be crazy to actually do any of this stuff yeah. that this guy says in this note? And Fielding has the the line, "Know anyone like that in Manhattan?" Ooh, 80s. And this is the eighties, so I mean, I, I think it's poignant today. Yeah, but this is New York now is like posh Green Acres oh living God, yes. compared to the New York City in the 80s. Downtown? Holy Lord. You know what I have for that note, finally, and it probably should have been said much earlier? Is a judge supposed to hang out with the lawyers that much? Is there a conflict of interest there? I don't think so, because I think the reason why is because in terms of what the lawyers are doing, this isn't, hey, I'm defending this, this is a large case. They're all there mm-hmm. to just kind of step in and play their parts. Like, that's what Night Court is about. This isn't a case that you've really researched and studied a lot. It's two people learning about the case. Gotcha. Prosecution and, defend- and defense are learning about the case and all the facts minutes, minutes before the judges. So everybody's on the same page of trying to get the best out of everything. Mm-hmm. And with these types of cases, when they're... You know, they're minor, like, yeah, he threw away a diner, but it's like, it's petty theft stuff. It's, you know, breaking and entering. You know, it's not as huge. These aren't, it's not murderer's row coming up here. I think that if everybody's on the same page and working together, you're going to get the best outcome anyway. So, though, I do think in a normal, like, private practice type of setting, Mm -hmm. totally, yes, inappropriate. But for this, it's just kind of how everybody does it. Yeah. And then we get... The poor man's Ernest Borgnine. Oh, I thought it's like, is that Ernie Borgnine? Nah, it's his cousin. Detective Womack. Detective Womack. Your goofy, typical murder. He's very much like uh, Bernie was. 
He was very obsessed with yeah. death and dead bodies. Like yes. that was his fallback gag. So he's a homicide detective and he shows up. He was called because he heard there was death threat and, and say so he didn't hear the threat part. He heard the death part. And he's very nonchalant about the whole dying thing. He's like old late Judge Cranston. Uh, and he's like, he's like, if they get you, we'll make sure to get them. Right. That was one of my notes. Is like, if they kill you, we'll get them. Don't worry. And the other one was, if someone wants to kill you this bad, bad enough, they will. Have a nice day. So I couldn't place where I'd seen him before, and it actually hit me before I researched it. I watched him in a movie not long ago because the movie he was in was Riff Tracks. Mm. It's called Breaker Breaker, starring Chuck Norris. Ooh. It's a truck driving movie. Yeah, it is. And this guy, Womack, who's played by a guy named... Um, not Jack Murdoch. There were two Murdochs. Uh, something Murdoch. Bob Murdoch, the actor's name. Shoot. George Murdoch. Um, he plays the villain in this, and he's like a like a there's this greasy drunk who just finds a plot of land in Southern California and renames it after himself and just makes himself his own township. And then to fund this township, he stops trucks on their runs to get supplies. How dare and he? Like, and finds them. It's called Breaker Breaker. It's disgusting. Sounds Chuck thrilling. Norris doesn't have a mustache, and you should never see Chuck Norris without a mustache. Does he do karate mustache. Yes. He's like a karate truck driver, and he wears God. this. It's worth it. Guys, it's on Amazon. It's called Breaker Breaker. Oh, Rift, they riff tracks it. He wears a full like ladies' denim pantsuit the entire time. Uh, Chuck Norris does fingerless gloves. He has no mustache, and you find out Chuck Norris has a mustache because he has a like a baboon's upper lip. <laughs> like he just has this ex- really large upper lip. You don't realize it, which is why that mustache um, looks perfect. Exactly, it fits beautifully. It's perfectly shelved, but um, that's where I know him from. So if you want a more taste of of Detective Womack, but like a weird on mescaline type. <laughs> Just check out Breaker Breaker. Uh, so yeah, Womack basically says he can't do anything now unless the a body drops. Uh, and then yeah. are we back? We're back in the courtroom, correct? My next note is some sassy no, stuff with God. It's the God. It's in the hallway. We're not in the yeah. courtroom. We go back to the hallway. Who doesn't love Selma? Oh God! I don't want to meet Selma. a person that doesn't. So God is after Selma, and he says. Uh, Hey, honey, you go to church regularly? Oh, no, he started with the clothes thing. Because we, what is he we yeah, walk he's in hitting on, her. on he's a conversation, fresh. and he's like, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be oh, wearing yeah. any clothes right now. And Stella says he did it so we could get some work done. No, no. She, he, she said she did it. She's sassing with him. She's like, God's a lady, because she's like... She, no, she did didn't it say that because she so we could get work done. I'm positive. Uh, no, she, he didn't. She didn't say she. I think she said she. I definitely have he. Yeah, well, I you guys think less of Selma, down, but I'm, I wouldn't put it past old Selma. But that's a good catch, Casey. I would only say I would another thesis. I wouldn't put it past Maybe. Selma, but I would only say that if we're talking about the 80s, if she would, if Selma would have said she, I think people would be more confused than getting the joke. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. That's the only reason I'm saying he, not that it's out of character for Selma to say that and combat it, 
But since we're not going to sit down and explain it, because who knew in the 80s we'd be doing a podcast? Because Selma is a deity herself. Betty Friday. I definitely think she said Whoever he. made the flag. Because the she would have been like, well, who's suffrage, she? Selma Diamond. Who's she talking about? I thought she said she. She didn't. You are wrong. Okay. I will research it and insert it here. <laughs> Boom. You know, if it weren't for Eve, there'd be no reason for you to wear any clothes. She did it so we could get some work done. <laughs> One of you was right. Man, was I right. I can't believe how wrong you were, Casey. <laughs> uh, so then. I just played the low and brow commercial again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So this is the new log cabin. Thanks for giving me a hand. Hey, what are friends for? Here's a good friend. Tonight's kind of special. Try it this way. The beer will pour. Says something more somehow. Looks like we're about done, huh? Not judge or not. Tonight, tonight. Not a bad day's work. Next weekend we put in the pool. Uh, and then we get into what you were going into with the the church stuff. The regularly. His quip with after the the clothes thing. So yeah, so he says, uh, "Do you practice regular?" He's such like the classic old Jewish god. I love him. Do you go? Do you practice religion regularly, honey? At my age, I don't do anything regularly. regularly. Which means she. Yeah, it's a poop joke. Poop. Nothing beats a good poop joke. Pooping and peeing. Right? Is that a poop joke? Oh, totally. After her enlightened view on the female deity, we got to go to poops. (laughs) Which we now know is false. So this is all in your... You failed this thesis. You Uh, will have to defend this thesis, sir. uh, And then we are back in the courtroom, and Harry... For the weirdest joke of the series thus far, and I don't get it, from Bull... Who suggests to Harry Stone that he should wear a bulletproof vest oh, because yeah. of death right. threats abounding. And then Bull says, he says, oh, that's a good idea. He goes, yeah, I was shot in the stomach. He says, oh, yeah? I'm glad you're okay. And he says, yeah, if it was three feet higher, a few inches. I could have been injured. What? Okay. What does that mean? So I, I have it. I'm going cartoony no, with no, it. No, no, I Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially they're just making again a joke about bull's size and like bull saying yeah. harry you tiny little wimpy guy you need a bulletproof vest essentially bull saying i got shot in the stomach and then the punchline is that because bull is so strong he in himself his stomach his washboard abs are a bulletproof vest like it didn't do anything. Uh, yeah, that's- but if it was a few, it was a few feet, inches, whatever he said higher, it would have like hit his chest, like his heart, like any vital organ. It was a bad joke, but that's how I yeah, took it, and yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm right. I didn't take it as the washboard. I thought he was so tall that anybody shooting at him like shot between his legs. No, <laughs> I hate because he specifically. He specifically said the I stomach. kid you not when I say I listened to it six times. <laughs> And my brain, like, I just, it was one of those things where, like, you know, I, I, we, we joke all the time. We write jokes. We do this. Like, so to deconstruct, to try and deconstruct a joke that, in my opinion, is, I get where you're coming, is deconstructible. It's like, 
It just, it was in fear. I could not figure it out. So it's that bull has a, str- bull, so, so bull Superman. Bull can take yeah. a bullet to it, the See, stomach. it was, in my opinion, I got the joke immediately, but yeah, I, I didn't did. like it because exactly what you said, Hans, now we're going into superhuman strength. Like, we're not making fun of the fact that he's like, quote unquote, throw back a wall of flesh or, yeah. you know, hung like a bull. Like any of those jokes I get. because Yeah. But you're saying you he's actually physically saying I got shot in the stomach, essentially meaning I got shot in the stomach without any protection and it didn't do anything because I'm so fucking strong. Or is bull embracing his monster status now is, is there a paragraph in your body paragraph of your thesis is there one about bull embracing his monster i don't think i don't think this was an embracing moment i, do, I think the panicked and fled comment yeah. from earlier was an embracing yeah. moment because he was like again he didn't quite compensate for how monstrous he is and it, right and exactly like and we've we're also Moving forward in the future, we also hit home again with a line, uh, you know, a, a mm-hmm. dialogue between Bull and then fielding comments on it that Bull is is dull. Like oh, he's a he's though. a yeah, it's a really good joke, and we'll get to it. But he's also not the brightest kid. Like he's he's not making metaphorical satirical jokes. He tried to. Like he's genuinely saying. See, like, I I agree with Ashley. I didn't take it as he thought he was so strong. I took it like cartoony because that it's it's the same thing. It's just a different degree. Like it was, but yeah, like shoot me in the stomach. Like I'm so weird and monstrous. Like yeah. I can eat anything, even bullets. You know what? I, like it's just the same thing. They're turning him into either a cartoon monster or a superhero. Either way, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The joke doesn't work because he re- he, he's not they saying... They redeem him in this episode. Yeah, he's not pontificating. He's not saying, if someone shot me in the stomach. He's literally saying this happened. So yeah. either way, the outcome was he's a cartoon or a superhero. Yeah. I would have cut that. Joke. I would have cut it too. But he's got to get his union gag in there. Union gag. He gets the best union gag of the... Uh, it's one of the better ones we've seen thus so far. yeah we're back in the court he does the the he can eat bullets because he is uh, from another planet uh, and then Judge Harry goes back still very optimistic like he's not going to let this keep him down he goes behind the the to his chair and there is and Ashley went whoa like speaking of Looney Tunes sticks of dynamite yeah. and a timer fucking A <laughs> a, a, a bomb uh, bomb like a bomb like bomb a, yeah like with the you like can a hear the tick thing, yeah. a lip smacking machine. No, it's the tuck. It's the tick tock. Yeah, it, it was a bomb with a uh, a, a, a VHS of a blowjob. I, I was literally at the time. I was I was looking down because I was taking notes and I was I was writing actually the bull stuff down. But then a fucking joke. It, yeah, I, wrote I it down heard too. the tick tock. Like That's how I knew something because there was yeah. a pause. I heard the tick tock and I was like, is this is either something's happening or we switched over to an episode of 60 minutes. Yeah. Nope. So bomb. Dun dun dun. Don't like that bomb tick. So Lana, Harry looks visibly frightened. He stops. As he should. You know, in his tracks, literally, when he sees this bomb, Lana mans up and pulls him out of the courtroom bull exercises a lot of Mm -hmm. restraint 
and just kind of like easy ushers ease, the people. Yeah, out. ushers is a perfect word out. for it. Inter- commercial. Definitely I was going to say commercial break. break. Yeah. To my favorite character of the I episode. I was yeah, like he warmed up on me. This guy. At first, I thought was like, this is the guy because he seems insane. That's what I thought too. Like he, I was like, yes. if he's this not was really, an '80s thriller, he'd be the serial the killer. He's yeah. the one. He is the bomb squad guy. He was very good. So we return. They walk into the courtroom and we see the guy in the suit with the bomb armor and they walk in and he just chucks the bomb at Harry and everybody freaks out. And he's like, "Eh, don't worry about it. That's just a little bomb squad humor. It's just road flares and a clock. And that sets the tone for this dude. And I want to say right now at this time, we don't know what's happened. We don't know no. who's doing this. So my comment is going to be based on what I know at the moment. I'm looking at this episode and I'm like, okay, so someone has gotten away. And I know it's the 80s and it's not post 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, security in downtown New York in the middle of the night. But someone has gotten away with throwing a rock through a courthouse window and climbing down somehow a fire escape, a building, what have you, to escape. And now he's come back up 18 flights of stairs. He or she, Selma. She. Yeah, That's she. true. That's true. Okay. I apologize for that. They have come back up 18 flights of stairs, snuck into a courthouse. Which was has to be full of people at the time because they didn't and shut has the court put, down for the commercial and has put gallows don't empty. And has put an item, I don't care what the item is, on the judge's seat without anybody noticing. What are they paying Which the is why for? I thought it was the bomb squad guy too, Casey. But then I'll also say when it turned out to not be a bomb, this is also taking a lot of work. Yeah. Like, you got three road flares. Now, maybe it was different in the 80s. I don't have a fucking road flare. Do you have a road flare? Mm-mm. Do you have three? Don't you need a permit for, like... F- oh, no, not road flares. I was thinking, the like, the gun. You don't, but the these aren't easy, in my opinion, today at least. These aren't easy to pick up. And then you've got alarm clock, and there are definitely... There are wires. Like, mm-hmm. this has taken some set of skill to make it look like a bomb. I don't care if it's a non-bomb or not. Yeah. So there's a lot. You really don't like that clock feature. Hell hath no fury like a bad bomb. There's yeah. there's In a lot of Judge Ash's so eyes. so my confusion <laughs> right now is there is a lot of effort going into this, mm-hmm. which I'm only spending a lot of time pointing that out because once we get to it, it drove the, me yeah. nuts. Once the we answer get to the culprit drove me insane. Whom not to keep you all in bated breath is not the bomb guy, despite how weird. And even his jokes, I'm just going to jump ahead, like, he does the thing and, like, he bangs his toolbox, like, he's mugging to the camera for all his jokes, like, he can't hold on to a pen and it flies out of nowhere. Does but I then, also... But do you think, do you think he's actually afflicted with a stutter, the actor, so the, the, the character stutters? I had a question because I, I honestly, thank you for answering that, I wrote down, does he have a stutter? Because I didn't know... First, I just wrote up what's what's with this guy and then i like because i was like because honestly like at that time like i heard like i was it instantly took me back to um blazing saddles oddly enough um and mel brooks talking about the guy he initially hired for uh gene wilder's character 
was like this actual like actor, like this funny comedian mm-hmm. who was a known drunk, which was the character Gene Wilder was supposed to play. But the guy showed up on set and he was such a real alcoholic that they couldn't start shooting the scenes at the normal time of day because he was so shaky as like a hungover alcoholic. So I was like, is this guy just like an actual like drunky, but it's okay, like alcoholic? But then I think he's actually just yeah. – a guy who's an actor who's comedic mm-hmm. who does have like a disability if you want to call a stutter a disability and he just rolls with it here's, and I thought here's it was great. my thing though it seemed like there was only that I picked up and I could mm-hmm. be wrong it seemed like there was only twice to me where the stutter was super prevalent and it yes. seemed to hit on a joke like it seemed to like so that's either the actor basically improving where mm-hmm. it, whether it be the line itself or the delivery of the line for the stutter which is amazing if he did that yeah good for him or it was written in and i'm going with the latter i'm going with it was written in yeah yeah and i really don't get why i'm i'm digging this character but i'm like i would love to be in that writer's room to be like you know what this mother needs you know what it's possible like he was like that now that you bring it up i was like maybe he was a road comedian with harry the comedian and it's a guy that's kind of afflicted who has a stutter because there were bits he was doing that did not apply to, they weren't bomb squad humor. This was just right. odd yes. jokes. That like that's why I was like I was he's thinking, the guy that did it because right. he's so strangely like. There's one moment when it's a joke, a bomb joke. It's like we talked about before it's, the the autopsy, like the coroner that eats the sandwich. Like it's a trope. It's yep. a joke they always do for that guy. Like so he goes from bomb squad gags about like cho- throwing the bomb. To these really sort of strange well, the other gags. The other aspect of it is that something that we haven't mentioned yet about the bomber is that this guy is almost putting you on edge with, you know, quick movements, physical bits, you know, uh, later. We haven't gotten there yet, but when he leaves the room, you know, he runs into stuff. So he's making loud noises, like loud jarring noises that's, you know, freaking everybody and Harry out. So on and so forth, but it's like the stutter is almost one of those things, like just the, to put you at, not at ease. You're just like, but yeah. to, what? What are you gonna say? Like, yeah. I'm unsure. Like, doing it. What? I can't illuminate the stutter much, but I might be able to confirm a little bit for you, Case. Yeah. About because he is a road dog comic. He was a cat skills comic. His oh, name's okay. Jack Murdoch, and he's a Weegee guy. It seems because oh, he was in a guy? lot of Weegee projects. Okay. So it's probably just like this comics comic, and he was really well known. And unfortunately, his name is Jack Murdoch, and that also is a name that's shared with Daredevil. So oh, his dad, yeah, Batlin Jack Murdoch. Yep. So Jack Murdoch is best known for a character he played for a chain of discount stores in the Midwest called Grandpa's Discount. Ooh, that's unfortunately. Jack Murdoch, the daredevil dad, has eclipsed him for trying to search for any of these videos, so I couldn't find it. But if you want to see some of his better work, just check him out in Big Top Pee Wee. Shut up. He was in, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's got a mustache and a, he's like the, he's an old crank in Big Top Pee Wee. Like he's one of the cranks who's like, 
We don't want the circus here. Get out of here. All right. And then at the end, Pee-wee drugs them all with hot dogs, and they become kids again. And and he's <laughs> the one who turns in to a kid played by, speaking of Diamond, Screech. <laughs> Dustin Diamond? Yeah. Kid version of Bomb Squad Murdoch is, is played by Screech in Big Top 1980. So, yeah, Jack Murdoch, we, have, we see he's got a goofy gags. And then he leaves the court, and Harry is left into... He's in his chambers again, right? Or he takes time off? They're, they're going to close the yeah, court, he, basically, for the day. Which is, can they do that? I mean, after a bomb scare, you could probably get away with, like... None yeah, of this makes the sense. The shit's closed. None of, none of this episode makes logistical sense of yeah, how anything's yeah. done. <laughs> was, um, it, was this our first... Because Lana's like, yeah, go back to your chambers take a break listen to mel torme take an aspirin was this the first mel torme reference we got in the show i think it was i believe so yeah if yeah maybe which is interesting because it's such a casual comment like here's your these these episodes must have been shot out of order Mm -hmm. because if we we know he likes music but we will find out through the whole series that he's a mel torme fanatic yeah so for her just to be like your mel torme tapes are back there and not to acknowledge it to be a big to do uh yeah yeah, so harry goes back to his office to listen to mel torme and yet again uh judges chambers become uh just a well we also we in between fielding has some unfinished business with the kid that he stiffed Mm, that's right so he goes back. So the the scene goes to the hallway really quickly. So he had the hundred, and they couldn't change that. So now he's like, "Okay, I've got this. I've got two fifties. I made change. I, I made got change. 250s. And the kid now he's just being an asshole. yeah. He's yeah. just antagonizing this poor little kid that's here in the middle of the night, shining shoes. Um, and the kid is can't- he a poor little kid? Isn't he like gouging? Price gouging? Well, I mean, according to, to the kid, it's, it's the entire says. industry. And according to the kid, it's yeah. the industry that that's raising the prices, not eight. himself. Regardless, right. Fielding's, Fielding goes to pay him back. Now he's got two fifties. Kids still can't make the change for that. Fielding goes up and and heads out again. Mm-hmm. So again, we're coming back that to the kid's kid. A hard eight, by the we way. We got hard yeah, eight. hard yeah. eight. Uh, so we got the kid, we got the bit, we got the gag, fielding, you know, being, a jerk. being pricky, and, and then he goes away. So you can take it away again, but I think that was important. Yes, I forgot that happened there. Uh, so yeah, Harry's back in his chambers listening to his music, and then God enters. Oh yeah. Again. And I thought they did, he, God's there to tell Harry not to give up. Shouldn't give up, he shouldn't give in to these people. Uh, and it's kind of like... I was like, oh, fuck. Is Harry, like, Jesus now? Is he being recruited by Santa Claus <laughs> and God? Because he kind of was. He's like, you, you do, you're do, you doing the right work, kid. You're doing the right work. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. Well, and he's kind of saying, I, I know what you're feeling and you're you're thinking, you know, you're overthinking mm. this and you're you're debating what you're doing in life. And Harry's like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. He's brooding. Yeah. Harry is teenage brooding, brooding right now. We got a lot of teenage angst, a lot of I am angry at my father syndrome. And then there's a, a, f- he needs a, a fun little card. gag. It's uh, the terrible parable, like the long ram. He's like, I have the perfect parable for this situation. It's just this long nonsense parable that gets cut off because it doesn't apply 
And Harry decides it's on with the show. I'm doing it. Court's it. Court is yeah. back in session. Because no as God one, said, you got to do what you were meant to do. Yeah, do what you're meant to do. So I presume we go to a commercial break. We come back. Harry's geared up. He's in court. He's beginning a speech about how he can't give up, how he can't give in. And then global. Well, hold on for a second, because I, I want to point out that Fielding, who's been stiffing a kid, making, you know, little Fielding comments, he's serious. Harry comes back and, and Fielding's serious. And he goes, you know, one thing is funny, like we can laugh it off. He very genuinely mm-hmm. says, this isn't funny anymore. Yeah. Like this, this is kind of a serious thing. And, and Harry... You know, Harry has his moment of like, you know what, guys? No, I think we just need to power through it. And so we're like, oh, that's a that's a pretty good mm-hmm. side to Fielding. That's pretty shocking. And then Fielding looks over to Liz and says, if I go, yeah. holds up his really nice, clearly expensive leather briefcase. And he goes, make sure this goes with me. Yep. And we're like, Fielding's back. was full of yuppie scum. Grandma's hustlers. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that's such, a, that's such an 80s thing, like, loving your expensive briefcase. Oh, it's so, it so is, thing. but it's it's perfect, because you're kind of like, you have that note that you're like, Fielding's back, gotta do it. So, so Harry wants to power through, but everybody's a little jumpy, and then, mm-hmm. then Lana comes in with some news. Yeah, they caught the guy. Oh, yeah. He was under Harry's car. F- messing with the wires. And he's like, what's the good news? They know who it is. They've got him, and they're bringing him up I to Harry's it, office. By the way. Did you guys call it? I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, they. I had it. They called. say they're going to bring him up to Harry's office so Harry can meet the person who has been threatening his life for the last twenty minutes. <laughs> it's actually been like fifteen and a half. Um. So they're in there, and he's you know he's a little edgy. He doesn't he to meet his unmaker. Uh, they open the door and it's a uh, little shoeshine Tommy. Shoeshine Tony. Eight-year-old, the eight-year-old kid is the one who has been threatening Harry. I called it. I knew it was going to be the kid. So so Harry's going, it was you threatening me all this time? You know, how could you do that? And Fielding, wait till you hear his prices. Yep. Can't. Nailed it. Won't give up Got that, that $2, that chiseler. So and then he calls him a pineapple face. So this big, so <laughs> yeah. no, that's later. So this big kid just says, I, "I want, I wanted to scare you." It was a joke. It was a joke. And then we find out who this kid really is. I wrote, "I smell a hug." Oh, you did <laughs> smell a hug, the biggest hug of all. So I guess Harry Stone sent this young man's father to Sing Sing through the yeah, book at him. He was a book burglar. A thief, a crook, a common criminal. Antonio Rodriguez. Antonio he was uh, he was going up for assault and battery, rape. What was no, it? No, it was bur- burglary. Burglary. Oh, all right. So the kid is pissed at Harry for sending his dad away. I would love that though. Like, dad's a rapist. He's not that bad, kid. <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> your your rapist father said he loves you, <laughs> and he's going to rape again. <laughs> not not the, the way that he did, but in a nice, the nice way. A rape by rape, I mean raise you right, <laughs> rape rapes you right. <laughs> so we we see that this kid, as you can imagine, an eight year old kid at up at two a.m. getting fucking 
shining shoes and having these rich assholes stiff him, he's a little jaded with the world. Mm-hmm. He's jaded. I don't blame he, him. He doesn't see the point in he's it. Mad. He he is mad. He's mad. He is mad, and there's nothing you can do about it. So Harry, thinking fast, says, oh, really, if I don't care about your father, if I don't care about him, why would I still have his file in my desk? Dan, you remember this guy. And Fielding's like, gives him this, like, what are you talking about? Like, I see thousands. And Harry elbows him, and he's like, oh, yes, yes, tall man, dark hair, yes, yes, of course, I could never forget him. You know, before that... And I don't know why he said it, but Lana said something, and she was called a bruja. Oh, yeah, bruja. So Lana, so we're still deducing, like, this little kid did this, and so on and so forth, and and what's going on, and, and oh, what was it? I forget what it was. I don't remember, but he said, he's, she says, like, why would you do something like that? And he goes, like, why would you... Ah, God, yeah, he just calls her Bruja. He basically, being he's being idiot. condescending, she's like, like because, yeah, and he's, yeah. and she's like, oh, Bruja, and then Liz jumps in, like, it means witch. Yeah. It doesn't, it means bitch. No, it was in that scene where he's showing everybody up, like, he's a tough, he's not just a kid, It's he's what tough. he calls fielding pineapple face. He's Michael J. Like, Fox tough. Yeah. yeah. He's Michael J. Fox in him. Uh, so Harry, seeing that, tries to appeal to the kid by saying he has the dad's file, in his desk. So he goes to, and he's trying to prove to this kid desperately that they know his father. They didn't just send him away. His dad's still a good man. Uh, so here he goes to his desk, pulls out a folder, and starts to recite this sort of like, I, how could I ever forget a man who stood up to me in court and accepted his judgment, but before he went, said that I want it be known that I love my son... And I will be back for him, but basically building this man up to be a very noble, noble, good man, despite being a crook. And the kid's response is like, that's amazing. And Harry's like, yes, yes, it is. And the kid says, I didn't know my father knew English. Oh, (laughs) no. Cut to the joke. So So you're like that. So. So it is a real thing or it is not a We're real We're not thing? there yet, Hansi. Yeah. So so it, at this point right now, it's not a real thing. Yeah, Harry's everybody... doing this out of the kindness of his heart. Harry does not recognize this this guy's dad that doesn't remember oh, it. Oh, yes. Never okay. know yes. And, yes. and so everybody's doing this and he's he's got this tar- touching story so this kid can realize that his dad loves him. And I wrote down in the note... Why in God's name would you do that if you don't know who you're talking about? Because yeah. this poor kid, this may save him right now, but it could permanently damage him later in life when dad's like, I didn't fucking say that. I don't care about yeah. you. So, you know, yeah. we don't know. So so I'm a little concerned. And then there's the English bit. And you're kind of like, oh, no, oh, how's shit. Harry going to yeah. get out of this? So and then he turns it to the kid like, do you know why I did this? Do you know why I kept this file? Do you know? Do you know? Well, do first, you- Harry says there was an interpreter in the courtroom to answer to it oh he does yeah yeah. and then he turns it on the kid do you know why i did this do you know do you know do you know and then bull goes no i don't (laughs) yeah that was great that was great um and then fielding makes the the joke the you know the awesome joke you almost know what's going on don't you (laughs) yep which yeah, just to, that, just that, to hit it home that yeah. bull is amazing and bull is a beast, but bull's a little dim. Yeah, 
That was a very good setup of their dynamic because it wasn't over the top. No, like it I can wasn't see it why because it was so weird. Like I, if I were bull, I would be like, "Keep talking. This is insane. I need to know <laughs> what you're doing. Most, I don't. This understand is an insane that, yeah. room that I'm always in. So no wonder, like, I get enraptured. I'm like, yes, continue. Uh, and then the kid. I, I have my notes. I have my notes. I don't have any more notes after that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm like, no, th- blame that's you. when you called the first time. So, so I was like, so, oh, Harry, shit. so Harry's basically saying, I have this file separated because your dad said this and because I am in the middle of writing a letter to the parole board. And I'm going to recommend that your dad be released at the earliest time that he's up for parole. Letting a rapist so back out on so the street. So then I can write a note of why the fuck would you do say that to a kid if you don't know the dad. You don't intend to actually do this. So Oh yeah, that's pretty fucked so up. So that yeah, yeah, like I was just like, this is going off the rails. And so this this kid is clearly being really, you know, changed, touched yeah. by by this yeah. speech and his father's care for him and that this judge does remember his dad so much so that this judge is is saying and defending his father now, mm-hmm. even though we put him in jail. So you have a moment, and this kid is just clearly, visibly Alex P. Keatoning, brightening up. Yeah, there's about to be a hug somewhere. Cuts to Lana, and Lana's looking, and she has her arms crossed, and she's looking at this whole scene, and she goes yeah. to Liz. Wow, that guy could charm the pants off of just about anybody. And then catches herself and says, except, and Liz cuts her off, you, yeah, we know. Because she doesn't wear pants because she's wearing a child's outfit to give her boyfriend a blowjob. (laughs) (laughs) We know that. She admitted that to all of us. So then. With old chocolate mint cookie teeth. (laughs) So. So then, uh, you know, the the cops go, hey, the detective's like, hey, what do you want us to do with this kid? And and Harry's like, you know, just just take him downstairs. Make sure he gets home okay. You know, we're we're square. We're all cool. Kid's very appreciative. You know, he's definitely changed Mm -hmm. in this past few minutes. Wait, did you say who let the kid off? Fielding. Fielding was the one who's like, I think Judge coddling like fielding's the one who's like recommends him getting on right yeah. right totally totally and i didn't say that and before the kid leaves fielding pays him finally in fucking nickels and pennies no he he pays him the two dollars and then he gives something extra for him and the kid in his kind of has a sarcastic pineapple face and he's like Ooh, oh spicy. a whole dime Oh, yeah. A whole dang. And you think that he's going to be like, you know, another, you know, slide like, you know, you stupid adult. And then you see that it really means a lot to the kid that he got tipped. And he says, thank you. He's not a murderer. He just threatens murder. Wait, what are you talking about, Ash? I don't think you guys finished the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Are are you messing with me? No. You know, that's not what happened. (laughs) He's so That's what it was over. So it was hurt and offended right now. <laughs> I'm looking at you. And Are you just... guys, you guys were testing me? <laughs> Did you finish it? Yes, he kicks the dime and he goes, "Oh, a whole dime." And then he scuffs Fielding's shoe on purpose and leaves. 
Did you guys miss that? I missed that. I missed the scuff completely. I thought he was a little kid got happy and didn't scuff the shoe. I no, totally he, he missed literally, it. I was probably like, writing it down. Stomps on Fielding's shoe like to mess up the shoe shine job. Oh, that's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other way, the way you guys watched it was really racist. <laughs> <laughs> if it were that way, not the way you watched you know it, what, but like, you know what he can buy with actually the like this minority being like, "Thank you for your pennies, white man." <laughs> oh, that's so funny. No, I missed the scuff too. I think I, I was, I was, yeah, I was on my phone. Missed it. I missed Visual it. Visual gag. Uh, then it's the fun, the big reveal. So the kid leaves. Kid's the kid gone. leaves, and they're all like, "Harry, quick thinking, man, you're a genius, not an asshole, but a genius." And we find out that it was, in fact, this kid's true. father. It was true. He's, everything he said was true. Harry was telling the truth. Unless Harry's pulling a prank on the everyone, the audience. If it's all a big meta episode and this is all just Harry Anderson's so, uh, uh, long con game, <laughs> right. like a David Blaine-esque nine seasons of a TV show just to get one bit from episode yeah, six. Right. So so Harry's told the truth and mm-hmm. this actually happened, which, you know, I just want to point out that in the beginning, if this was all true and you did have that file in your desk and you were writing the parole board, that when the kid said his father's name, you would have remembered it immediately. And they had a whole bit that he didn't. Oh, and then well, he's like, right, oh, 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 yes, I do remember him. I have his file. Which is the whole reason why we think he's making this up. Well, so I'm just bringing it back that if you really did know, you would know the name of the guy of the file that's in your desk that you are about to write to the parole board about. Dear, dear, you're forgetting Harry is a Santa Claus in training. He's a Santa Claus in training. As we know from the episode, he's going to be the yes. new Santa Claus. That's how Santa Claus has talked to children. Oh my goodness, I... What is your name, little boy? No, no. What is your no, father's no, name? No, that's not it. That's not it. That's not what I'm saying. How he played it, it wasn't the condescending of, oh, I have his file. It was that he played genuinely, like, at first, his first reaction to hearing the father's name was that he did not know what the kid was talking about. His reaction not to the kid, not what he played off to the kid, his initial face and like stuttering, kind of like taking a back reaction is that he didn't know who it was. Then he catches himself like, oh, oh, y- uh, y- yes, yes, I know. So it has nothing to do with the condescension Santa of how he's talking to the kid. It has to do with his initial how Harry played it for adults and the audience is that he didn't know who it was. How would you not know who it was? Because he's condescending to you as the viewer. New hypothesis. Harry, Judge Harry T. Stone is a supervillain on a Joker-esque level in his own Gotham City that is New York because he's slowly writing all of these letters to get all these crooks out early to become his goon squad so he can take over the city. He's got Bull, Dr. Freeze. (laughs) Bull can get shot in the gut and unfazed. He's Jack. Exactly. He's got Dan Fielding, Two Face. Yeah. He'll pay you once and he won't pay you the next day. <laughs> uh, the penguin is, I don't know, Phil Leeds as God. Kind of penguiny. <laughs> he's got Catwoman. He's got crazy Santa Claus the on Joker his side. The Joker is the bomb guy. Yeah. 
Nice. New hype. New hype pop. I'm with you. I like this agent of chaos thing. The slow build yes. of an army of criminals. So regardless of my opinion, Harry told the truth the entire time. He was talking about his dad. Is contacting the parole board. Bull's piecing it all together. And he goes, wow, he told the truth. Brilliant. And the kid fell for it. <laughs> it was just like, oh, bull. Oh, bull. Bully, bully, bully. Bull, just a, Gil gets shot again. Just a lovely bull moment of, like, still not getting it, but understanding it bull, enough. Go home and feed that Swedish woman you still have chained in your bathtub. And then we get to the yeah, I was gonna. I was going to say, go tell that story to Carla B. as you destroy her again. <laughs> so we get the joke. That Hans, like, you didn't like the stomach one, and I didn't particularly either, but I was just flummoxed by the next joke that God makes as he's exiting. Piazzadora? Piazzadora. Piazzadora. I googled her, but why don't you take us through it, Hans? Because it seems like you know what you're talking about. Well, uh, you you tell me the joke, because I just wrote down the name, because I was like, fucking crazy ass reference name he says he says something it's like, basically i've you know god watches everybody i watch everybody and, except for pia sedora yeah and it, it's it's right? even further than that like it's just like you know when i can i assist you yeah. know everybody i'm watching all things and i try to nudge you in the oh. right direction but pia sedora gets nothing and I'm like, but she kind of did. So God hates two people. Then John Denver, John Denver and Pia Sedora. And Pia fucking Sedora. And they both died in the same plane crash. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, no, Pia Sedora was uh, blowing some guy on the side of a mountain. John Denver <laughs> crashed into her <laughs> to keep on our theme of hating John Denver and blowjobs. Um, Pia Sedora was just this actress from the '80s. She's most oddly enough. Well, there's two films she's most popular known for. Uh, Aliens Conquered the Martians. No, Santa Claus what? Conquers the Martians. Thank you. Santa Claus Conquers uh, the Martians. So gotcha. a B movie. Super famous And then she movie, transferred yeah. that B movie into like a real movie called Butterfly, but like with a real budget, like a Hollywood feature. But it was like panned by everyone except for... The same year, she got a Golden Globe for Best New Rising Star. I guess they used New to give star a of the Globe year. for that. Star of the Year, but also a Golden Raspberry for the for worst, worst new star of all time. Yeah, oh. and it was for the same for the same performance. So, yes. but then the thing that confused me is that this was happening during that time, but she was also a singer. Yeah. And a fairly the her singing was not panned at all or criticized. Mm-hmm. Like she was she was good. Like she didn't become super famous with it, yeah. but she had a lot of vocal talent. But she's not like fucking received, Corey Feldman. And received of, like, like acclaim. Absurdity. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Throwback. Um so so yeah, the joke John Denver Pia Zadora. If Pia Zadora had done one or two more things, it would the reference would still work. It would have been Jed I'm also feeling that that laugh from the audience was not because they were like, oh, yeah, Pia Sedora. It was literally because God, Phil Leeds, just nailed the delivery of it. Like, I was just like, whoever this woman is, God hates her. And that's funny. It is a funny name. Yeah, it was. Pia. He, he nailed it. God leaves. And who but enters 
Santa. Let there be bull. Let there be Well, this bull. is back in the courtroom. We go back to the courtroom. There's a scene Oh, shift. I thought it was all in the courtroom. No. Oh, okay. This is this all happened in chambers and so this the Piazzadora comment happens and it's a scene shift and and Harry's kind of getting files together and, and cleaning up for the night in the courtroom and Bull comes with his bag like to go back. And before you go on, I have a segment. Okay. Ooh. This one is entitled Snake Nut Can. Yes, the deconstructed, yeah. So, uh, for a little backstory, a snake nut can is a practical joke device that closely resembles a can of nuts, but contains a long wire spring covered by a cloth or vinyl sheath printed like snakeskin, which leaps out of the can and startles the unsuspecting victim. Okay, so there's our backstory. Here's where it gets a little juicy. The item was invented by Samuel Sorensen Adams of the SS Adams Company circa 1915. That guy must have been a hoot to oh, be Oh, what a fun <laughs> fella to have over. Adams's wife, Emily, had been complaining about the jam jar, oh, saying that it wasn't properly closed or that it was sticky. Adams, inspired by her nagging, oh, then invented wife, a please. spring snake. A coil of wire wrapped in a cloth skin and compress the two-foot snake into a little jam jar so that it would jump out of the lid as the lid was removed. The snake jam jar, as it was formerly called, Exploded in then evolved face. into a whole array of products, including the snake peanut brittle can, the snake mint can, and the best-selling snake nut can. In the 1990s, I thought this was just In the 1990s, Adams's son produced snake potato chips. What a legacy. <laughs> and, and there you go. A hundred years of progress. So yeah, so this is this is ultimately just a gag joke of a jack-in-the-box, essentially, but yeah. you don't know the the recipient doesn't know it's coming. So, so Bull approaches Harry and he's like judge uh, you know like basically all we've gone through you've helped the city like this i fully believe your joker thing now like you've helped the city with your <laughs> jokes awful. and your gags basically mm-hmm. i thought you sh- you deserve a present like a treat for all your hard work i respect what you do bull gives him the peanut brittle can and harry being well versed in gaggery he's aware of Sorensen. uh you know, goes, oh, peanut brittle. And Bull has that knowing look on his face. So Harry Open it. opens the can away from himself. He knows what's coming. And nothing happens. And then that's when I thought, I was like, okay, Bull actually got him peanut brittle. That's what I that's thought what the I joke thought was. Too. And then Harry looks inside yeah. and he's like, it's empty. And then Bull basically like, I didn't think he could take too much excitement in one day and then slowly pulls the snakes out of his bag already and ra- exploded and wraps them around the judge. I thought it was cute. I thought I it was adorable. That. I thought it was really, really endearing. Cause like, I, you're a funny guy. I wanted to give you this joke, but I didn't want to scare you again today. So I got you in, in two pieces. No, I do love the, like you like jokes, but jokes are mean. So I'm going to give you the <laughs> right. joke, but without the mean part. Mm-hmm. So Bull's back to, he's a yeah, lovable monster, cartoon monster. <laughs> yeah, you reverse it, dirty Joker Harry. He, like, pulls that snake can right in your eye, gives you, like, that <laughs> Lenny, like, <laughs> that, that great joke with the, with the, with the spring, right? Yeah, Casey, right you probably know it better eye. than me. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, from The Simpsons, like Lenny and Carl, like Homer, like being Mr. Funny opens a peanut brittle can at Lenny and the spring goes right in his eye. (laughs) Oh my God. Is that like, is that the ongoing bit then? Like where Lenny's like always getting like horribly maimed in the eye, but it's always like, doctor said I'm not supposed to get springs in my eye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that's bull. Before we get to gavel bangs. Hans, I know she may not want to come on, but does your lovely fiance was she able to watch the episode and did she have any comments? Oh no. <laughs> None. She, she learned better. Meg, did you watch the last episode of Night Court? No. <laughs> Negative. Perfect response. I feel like that's a response everyone has to the question. Hey, uh Hans, did you uh, watch the last episode of Night Court? No. <laughs> No. Well, clearly we didn't no, because I, we didn't get the shoe shine joke. Yeah, we missed that gag. <laughs> We're the only three that hopefully soon we can all be in like a bar or a restaurant together so we can shout across the room. Hey, did you see uh, that episode of Night Court last night? Why, well, I sure like, did. Uh, and then somebody can act. We'll have to actually play the con game like we don't know each other. Go, oh, yeah, what was that? The death row? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know there's a podcast about <laughs> Until there's the one person who's watched all the episodes and it's like, you are all clearly just talking about season one. Hey, That's only season one. I'm really you sorry. I forget it. the name, but have we gotten in contact with the guy that p- had the petition out for Night Court? Brooklyn Crotch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that is something. Uh, uh, I had to do that hot peanut brittle segment that I had to do. <laughs> Uh, I will. I will reach out to him. It is not something I uh, that is. Hans lost. fell down the rabbit hole of watching Reuniti yeah. YouTube videos. We're slowly building this case. I mean, we got to put a shout out to our our main district attorney Henning for creating the best. Oh, the beautiful logo, logo in all of podcasting. Yeah, that is amazing. I'm putting that baby in the nursery. Oh yeah. Oh heck yeah. You can what it is Society Six. Yeah. We can get a link and get a tea. You can get a couple teas, some mugs. I'm I'm going to why would we not get one of those made and send it to Harry Anderson? Right? Oh, we got to. He deserves a mug thrown through his window <laughs> in Beverly Hills. <laughs> hey I scum, know. here's a t-shirt. Do we really want him to to listen to this because we go pretty hard in on Harry. He's got nothing. No, we're good. He's fine. We're not. He could come I mean, back to if, defend I mean, himself. We're, we can be hurt. Do you think he has 15 spare hours to spend <laughs> listening to us? What? Like, I bet he, I, over under two minutes. You think he can <laughs> oh. stand? Less. Less. I'll go under. I'll go under. I think. I'll go under. If you, if you had to shoot nine years of this show <laughs> and you had to troll nerds. Like, as we start, as we go, you see, the first one frame of the intro made me think of oh, d- d- God, d- d- right. go, I'm going to fucking shoot. I'm going to throw a rock through their fucking window. You know what I thought of a few weeks ago? It's, it's going to be Manchester really Manchester himself by the sea. It's going to be really <laughs> funny if you know how they have those random show reunions every once in a while. If there's like this rando con and we get contacted and like, hey, you want to fly down to right. Texas? We do the panel for the Paley Center yeah, like night court because the they're like these three have talked more about Night Court than we've actually shot content for. Every 20-minute episode. Yeah. We get an <laughs> hour and 20 two hours. Out of it. We'll get people on there. I'll, I'll get the 
I'll get the kid Tony. He's in one other episode, but I literally think he's just in the background. He's got to be like about our age, two episodes then, that day, or maybe a little older. Oh, it's so good. Uh, he's eight and eighty. Yeah, I'd say he's probably around ten at the time of the episode. So that make him like forty-four. Let's get him he's on. Probably doing time with his dad. <laughs> I don't. No reason why. There's no reason why other than he, I just didn't see it along IMDb page. That's all. Because he's a f- scientist now. All right, Hans. Oh, how yeah, many yeah. gavel bangs? I gave it six gavel bangs. Oh, man. I gave it six, no too. No reason other than I just wanted to go a little higher than the mid because there were some good jokes yeah, in it, and I really, really liked the ending. I say, I like yeah. that they're getting the sentimental endings. I, a lot of people might think that that might not do it for them, might be a little too um, soft or whatever, but I like it. I this one was like, yeah, I agree. I've liked a lot of the endings. I like this one. Just, I thought it was genuinely funny because yeah. I thought I saw it coming and it was a turn that I didn't expect. And yeah, and Bull, Bull, Bull's coming around. As much as they try and tear him down and turn him into a cartoon monster, Bull. I, yeah, I go six probably. So, six as well. Okay. Yeah, actually, six. Just jokes alone I, make it six. Seriously. Otherwise I'd say four. Six was mine too, yeah. but I would have given this episode for the jokes for the and for the repartee, I would have given it an eight. I just really was bothered by the whole premise and storyline of it. Mm-hmm. Of it being the kid and then miraculously, you know, the kid getting away with it and the kid being able to do this and then miraculously Harry having the file and knowing exactly what it was talking about but faking it. If it wasn't for that, it would have been eight because I thought it was a really slick, clean, funny, quick episode. Yeah. Um, But because of the plot holes that for some reason really irked me, I gave it a six too. I say you make, uh, you make Batlin Jack Murdoch. Take the bomb thing out if he was just another detective. Yeah. I think it, the bomb yeah, thing what is mean. what does it. Like, yeah, I can that, I can believe the kid over. throwing a rock through a window and they do the joke about the bad handwriting. You must be insane. That that yeah. pans out for a kid. But the bomb, yeah, the bomb thing takes it to a weird way too far for it just to be forgotten. I'd also sure. like to point out that just like a bomb, we don't know when it's going to happen. But when I was researching um, on IMDb, we get to see God again in Night Court in the future. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. As Phil leads? Yeah, as Phil Phil leads actually plays multiple Whoa. characters in Night Court. I don't know what they I didn't know that. I don't know what they are, but then he also comes back as a character and it's God 2. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so his his name in a future episode will be God, God too. So I don't know if it's going to be a different if it's going to be a guy that looks like the same guy playing it, or it's just the God the second coming, and that's what the joke yeah. is. Um, but we will see him again. I like that. I and, and you're right. I did see that. Two things I saw is that the detective's name is George Murdoch and the bomb squad guy's name was Jack Murdoch, but they are not brothers, but they did both die exactly one year apart in, no. um, in, uh, what's that? In Burbank, California. I was like, these two guys in the same episode of Night Court share the same last name, although one was born in Kansas, one was born in Jersey. They both died a year apart in, uh, uh, Burbank, California. Weird, right? Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little yeah. odd. And then I saw that Phil Leeds will show up again as God and 
another character. That's how amazing of an actor, character actor that guy is. Harry's dad. And yeah, I'd say other than the fact that we're watching these so closely, and uh, you made me nervous now because someday I'll be sitting with one bull and one Harry on both sides of me. All the actors that are either living or not in jail are fantastic. <laughs> um, You'll have to answer I, for I your crimes. I, I think I think if I was binging it, right? Yeah, this I wouldn't. This would not be the most memorable episode. Yeah, this would. If we were binging it, I definitely. This yeah, this would, one would definitely. This would have subconsciously really added to the character development. But you wouldn't couldn't place where. But episode you wouldn't it was be in. able the you know any of the storyline or any defining moment for anybody would be lost. But they they again do continue to do great development with the Lana Harry relationship, the will they won't they kind of thing, which is huge in any sitcom, but mm-hmm. especially in the eighties, you got to have that. Um, oh yeah, you know the bull being dim but caring. You know, we've got Fielding. Again, not enough Liz. Not enough Liz. Yeah, they're really not. I guess that's why she's going to... Somebody better do a Lizment. A Lizment? Because uh, I think we're we're losing Liz and Lana very soon. Yeah? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So we got we got some chores to do. We got to find out a little more dirt on Lizzie, a little more dirt on Lana. I see Lana's had a pretty decent film career. The actress, which of course I can't... A Karen Austin or something. This is the first time that all three of us have given the exact amount of uh, the exact same amount of gavel bangs. I know it, which yeah. is pretty interesting because I think maybe it alludes to the fact that not only are we finding our way on you know taking this in and and analyzing it and discussing it, but also Night Court is becoming more consistent. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. finding their viewership, and they're solidifying things down and breaking it down for a little bit better. And you know the the whole process of an episode, you know the the arc of it is yeah. becoming more. There's more of a through line now. I think that fits. I think. I mean, let's be honest. For a show, I was going to say for a show to get nine seasons, but as we said earlier, I think Yes Dear was on. Just shy of a decade, so I think yeah. Big Bang Theory just is oh, like yeah. contracted through like twelve seasons. Do you? I wonder if Big Bang, uh, big old bangers, are going to have their own podcast. I don't allow it. It's going to be night. We're going to be we're going to be on Fox's do. podcast nerd boxing. Ashley, yeah, you with your one is. short leg on, in our corner, <laughs> and we're going to have to box the guys from. <laughs> from uh, what would you call a podcast it, from Big Bang Theory? Bazinga boys, the, the <sighs> Zinga talk. I as as you say that, Casey. I think there is a Big Bang Theory podcast. Sure, oh, there's, there's a lot to research be. because there's got to be multiple. The science, like alone for all of the the science things they get incorrect, all of the references to like comics and pop culture. Like, I'm not gonna fight a podcast that dissects everything they say and corrects them on it, though. Oh, like, I'm down good, with that. I like podcast. that. That's cool. I didn't realize yeah, that that was if, the if there's a I, podcast. If there's a podcast that does that, I'm all for it. If there's a podcast that just goes through it because they love it so I, much, there probably is, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. Then I guess, but why would we? Why would we judge anybody for that? It's not my cup of tea. But if somebody loves it so much that they, I think I, I, it. I, I just had the privilege 
of visiting my grandmother this week, and we watched the show, so I had to sit through it. The so new, I can new judge. Episodes. I can Ashley's judge all I want. Didn't do it for you, huh? Oh God, I get why my grandma likes it. Didn't you say they work for the government now? They're doing a project for the government, and Hank Schrader from Breaking Bad is the their kind of go go between for the military. The show has they they work for the. The CIA. I mean, I'd love Big Bang Theory money, so I can't judge it there. Those those cast members make hella, hella paper. One point seven million an episode for the principal it's characters. Fucking insane. But that Maya Bialik, no thanks. Her her views. I oh, disagree with. Yeah, you don't give old. Um, you don't give her a uh, what? Something did the ghost of Blossom come after? <laughs> yeah, it was. Joy Lawrence's career came through the window. <laughs> Just my fat ass <laughs> knocked over. Oh, God damn. My coin Get jug. that insert in your left soul. <laughs> yeah, I know. Keep you right that ship. Oh, damn. Well, Bazinga. Yeah, Bazinga to you two. Boys. Boys. <laughs> the Bazinga boys. Uh-oh, Is that one more podcast we have to do now? Out of contempt? We're like, we'll do it. But not because we like it. We are now the Bazinga Boys. Because it has to be done. That's what's going to happen. Oh, God, no. When we run out of Night Court episodes, we're going to have to hunt down <laughs> episodes where they're in court in Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Just court-themed episodes of other shows. Bazinga. Bazinga, boys. Bazinga, boys and girls. God is a woman, as Henning would say, right? No, Henning doesn't believe in God. Sorry. God Henning. is a God is a nothing. God is a nothing, and her name is Selma. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The night is long and full of weirdos. Have Have a good good night, night. Court. Court. Bazinga, boys. Court. Bazinga. All right, there was case number six of Have a Good Night Court, and I do have a little treat for all you listeners out there. I just so happen to have a special guest bailiff to talk about the episode. Please welcome Selma Hacker. Selma, welcome. I'm not Selma. She couldn't make it. Oh, uh, okay. Is she shooting something else? Yeah, and a casket. Oh, uh, I heard that's good. So, um, who are you? I'm her sister, Stelma. Uh, oh, okay, hi. Um, it's nice to have you, Stelma. It's, did you listen to the episode? What'd you, what'd you think? Honey, at this age, it's just nice to think of anything. Um, I'm sorry, I, I don't follow. The only thing I follow is a strict bathroom routine. I'm still sorry. I'm I'm still a little lost. Honey, at this age, if you don't wanna, you don't wanna be found. <laughs> oh, all right. God is a woman. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, she sure is. Anyway, great, great shtick. 
Stelma, can you tell our fine listeners some more info on the pods? Sure thing, sweetie. If you like the episode, please subscribe to the pod, download an episode or all the episodes, share, rate, and review the podcast. It helps other people find it. That's true. That's very true. Also, check out these other honeys, pods, uh, the Jerk Practice podcast, and then Facebook, and you, and Facebook, they're at Jerk Practice Pod, and they also have a blog at jerkpractice.com. Well, thank you. Thanks, Stelma. Um, now, what do you say we get a beer at Muldoon's? Well, you're buying, Stelma. Night court. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Just a little advice, Your Honor. Get a bulletproof vest. Bull, I appreciate the concern, but... I took a bullet in the stomach once from three feet. Sounds like you were real lucky. Yeah. A few inches higher and I could have been hurt. (laughs) Bull, listen, I think I'm just going to take my chances. You know, life is an adventure, let's face it. You never know when you're going to step in front of a runaway bus or you're going to eat the bad mushroom in the bunch. Or for that matter, when you're going to run into uh, one of those things.